0: First uh, Timothy chapter two. 1 Timothy chapter two. The message that I'm going to bring to you tonight is called "One Mediator." One Mediator. Um, once you get there, I, I, I want to try to get your full time and attention because uh, I want you to think about something tonight as we gather together. We're getting ready to go into the book of First Timothy here and look at chapter two, verses one through eight. Once you get there, I want to share something with you. Sometimes uh, we get discouraged in our Christian life and uh, And how do you stay motivated? Anybody ever been there? And uh, it's hard sometimes. You get in it, and, and, and it seems like it becomes almost mundane or routine, doesn't it? And it just feels like, man, I've done this, I'm doing this, and it just, it gets that way. We're going to talk about the one mediator. So uh, what I want you to know is that pastors try hard to stay encouraged all the time. I I just do. Uh, Do I get discouraged? Sure, I do. I get discouraged. And even in my Christian life, you know, there's times where uh, I've got some things that press in on me or you get uncomfortable with things or things aren't going the way that you planned or things aren't happening like you think they should or you get a piece of information you're not excited about or you watch Fox News or, uh, you know, (laughs) anything like that happens. And so sometimes just... Sometimes you just get discouraged, and so much stuff comes your way in a day's time. Things happen, so, and, and sometimes it can beat down on us. And what we have to remember is how do you stay motivated as a Christian? And you know, sometimes we think it's more complicated or that there's something deep or something uh, miracle-wise that must happen for us to stay motivated. But I'm going to share with you just some simple things that when I get discouraged or when I start getting down, some things that I want to encourage you to do, I'm going to share with you tonight. Things that my pastor taught me years ago, and he said, when you find yourself getting into this position, just remember, one, who your mediator is, amen, who's there for us, who's on, the, on your behalf, and he said, and learn to serve other people, do something, start praying about, or not about, but for others, start praying for their needs, start praying for other people, start praying for other situations, uh, and, and try to turn the focus off of yourself. And, uh, and so this is just kind of some simple things that he told me. Uh, and I want to share with you tonight as we go into this. This is about prayer in the local church. And so Paul is encouraging Timothy. And as we look at these books, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, those books, these are foundational to how the church runs and how it operates and things we ought to be doing and some things we ought not be doing. And uh, in this particular case, he's dealing with the subject matter of prayer. And he's dealing with prayer in the local church. And so as we read through these, kind of keep that in mind, but notice the encouragement to Timothy that Paul is being at this time. Now I want to tell you, Paul wasn't always in the best places or in the best condition or in best circumstances when he was writing encouraging letters. How many of you understand that? Sometimes when he was writing these things, he was in jail or he had just gotten beaten up or he, something had happened to him. And you're thinking to yourself, how do you remain encouraged? Well, if that doesn't encourage us, I don't know what will, but the fact is, is he try to maintain that encouragement and try to exhort other people. So look at the very first uh, uh, phrase there. He said, I exhort, therefore. I encourage you, Timothy. (laughs) I'm here to to strengthen you. He said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, it doesn't talk that you only pray for the saved. (laughs) It says that you pray for all men. And so God tells us that we ought to pray for all men. He goes on, he says, For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is, a, is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. I, I thought this was interesting that that phrase comes up again, that we're to pray for all men. And I'm thinking in my mind as I'm reading this then, praying for all men to be what? saved. That ought to be a part of our prayer life, that all would come to know Christ as Savior. Because he says, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one mediator, or for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, uh, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So we're going to talk about this one mediator tonight and what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. And when you find yourself becoming discouraged in your Christian life, what are some fundamental things that I can go back to as a Christian that will help me make it through some of those times and this is not just about surviving this is about living a joyous christian life and and i i look around i shared with chris this morning i said sometimes i just hate sitting around that house around this time of the year I go in my bedroom and I just tears just start running down my eyes. Not because I'm sad, but I think there's mold in my bedroom. But, uh, <laughs> but there's times that I just want to get out of the house. How many of you feel that way sometimes? How many of you just want to get in the car and just drive? I just want to get out of the house today. And, and what it is is that you want to just go somewhere. You want to do something. You want to get away from things. And so, But this life and through this life, we find trials and hardships. And sometimes what we let our trials and hardships do is to rob us of the joy of God. And listen, we don't have to allow that to occur. We don't have to let circumstances control our joy that we have in Christ Jesus. So stay encouraged. It's difficult to maintain that, but I think there's some foundational areas when you are consistent. It can help keep you motivated in those times. And I believe our ability to stay encouraged is directly tied to our relationship with Christ Jesus. What is your relationship like with him? You know, I can promise you this. If you don't have a time of prayer, you're going to get discouraged during the day. And I'm not talking about just praying. Uh, I'm talking about that time, that silent time, that quiet time alone with God, really getting alone with Him, praying, spending some time with the Lord. If you don't have that time, you'll get discouraged. If you don't have time in His Word, you will get discouraged because the soul needs to be nourished. Now, I don't want you to substitute prayer for obedience, by the way. Praying is not obedience. (laughs) We pray that God might lead us, and we're obedient, therefore we pray. Amen? But prayer is not obedience, and you don't need to mix the two. Your ability to stay encouraged is directly tied to your relationship with Christ, and it's your relationship between you and God that has to stay strong. And so how does that happen? God promised us in the Scriptures. He said, draw nigh unto God, and He will do what? Draw nigh unto you. So when we get discouraged, I'm just trying to help us think now. When you're getting discouraged, when you're, you're not feeling motivated, draw nigh unto God and he will what? Draw nigh unto you. Now, he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The devil says, hey, you don't need that. Yeah, I don't need that today. I don't need to pray. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to do those things. And I promise you, your motivation will go downhill and you'll start getting discouraged that day. Now, as we think about this, you have a friend in Christ, amen? Do we not? He tells us he's our friend, and we have a friend in Christ Jesus, and it's his desire to listen to us when we pray. He desires to really hear from you. God wants to listen to you. That's just astounding to me that God actually wants to hear from me. And and so here's the thought process. When you're not motivated, that's the time to pray. That is the time that you get alone with God and begin to pray because you're not motivated. So you get alone with the Lord and you begin to pray. Now listen, be careful in your prayers that we're not praying in a selfless way all the time, or a selfish way, but in a selfless way. We get selfish sometimes in our prayers, and so pastor used to tell me all the time, be very careful that you don't get real selfish in your prayers because we can become very selfish, uh, maybe even getting to a place of demanding things of God rather than making requests. So often discouragement can set in when we ponder too long on Self, when we think about self too long and we ponder on it too long, we can start having a party for ourselves and we start feeling bad for ourselves and motivation goes away and discouragement sets in. And so be careful not to ponder on self too long, but what we would, should do rather is focus on serving and meeting the needs of others. Pastor Nichols used to tell me when I was down in the dumps or if I wasn't feeling good, go do something for somebody else. Just go do something for somebody else. He said, I promise you it works. So he would do this stuff. He would, he would come. I, I remember I was at the house. I was feeling kind of down myself, and he said, let's go. I said, where are we going? He just came and got me and took me. So we went over and did something for somebody else. And he said, now, how do you feel, Bob? And I said, well, no, it feels good. They were, and the thing of it is, is you begin to realize, as you begin to serve others, and you have that selfless way about you, God feeds that, the desire that you have to be motivated again, to stay in his word and to be encouraged, and then you become an encourager. What are Paul's first two words in this passage in chapter 2? What are the first two words? I, what? Exhort. I encourage you, Timothy. I'm encouraging you. And he's saying to him, I want to encourage you. Now, what I want you to consider tonight, are you maintaining a consistent prayer life through Christ to keep you encouraged? Are you maintaining a consistent prayer life to keep you encouraged in Christ Jesus. Now, I believe prayer is such a strong component of our life, and this is something that we miss out on. I I, I imagine that all of you pray at some point, but there is a time where you really get alone with God and really spend some time in prayer. And we're going to talk about this in just a moment, but when you're praying, you need to concentrate on what you're praying about. And I'm going to show you why it's important to concentrate when you pray. And you really need to be thinking about your prayers, not just throwing words into the air, but really thinking about what you're praying about. And, and when you're bringing it before God, making your request made known unto Him, make sure that you're thinking about what you're praying about. And I believe this is foundational to the Christian life and helping to keep you motivated. So I believe we have access to God through Christ, and this should help us focus on the attitude of prayer. What is your attitude like when you go to pray? What, what's your spirit like? And, and then secondly, think about this. Uh, remembering the mediator of prayer. Who are you actually talking to? Who are you actually speaking to at that time? So what's your attitude like, and are you recalling who you're actually talking to? And then thirdly, this, there's a challenge in prayer, and that is is to maintain a consistency in it, but to maintain concentration as well. Whenever you really are praying, are you really thinking about what you're praying about? Or are we just to the place where it's just rote memorization? We just... Say things that we say because that's what we say, and so that's what we're going to say to God, and we're not really even thinking about what we're speaking to the Lord about. But I think that's a challenge that we face in our prayer life, that we just kind of go through it, and and it's kind of mundane, so I'm just going to say these things because this is just what I say. And so therefore, our prayers become repetitious, which God warns us in Matthew to be careful about that repetition, doesn't he? And he tells us to be conscientious about that. Now, the attitude of prayer. Uh, we're covering the foundations of the Christian life, and I believe a part of the Christian life is prayer. And, and the one who walks through prayer, you'll find that your relationship with Christ will be much closer. <laughs> when you walk life through prayer, you'll find out that you have a close relationship with the Lord. Uh, you're encouraged by Paul, even as he was encouraging Timothy, to pray for others and their needs. He said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. <laughs> He told us, he said, just start praying for people. Start praying for folks. Well, who do we have to pray for? Boy, we need to pray for the leadership that's in our nation, do we not? I mean, folks that are in authority, people that are in leadership positions. I mean, we have a lot to pray about. How many of you have seen uh, Jim Jordan taking him to task down in Washington, D.C.? I mean, he's been putting it to him. He said, hey, listen, we've got some serious issues in our country. I pray for Jim Jordan every day because he's down on Capitol Hill, and he's not letting up. He has not let up on them about all the stuff that took place during these elections and all these things that are lies and false news and all these things that are taking place. Jim Jordan's down there fighting on our behalf. He's fighting for the state of Ohio. He's trying to stop them from growing marijuana in our state. (laughs) Praise God, amen? We don't need that in our state. Last thing we need is a place to grow more marijuana, (laughs) And the thing of it is, is that they know that Ohio is very agricultural in nature, and we've got a lot of land out here, and those farmers are standing there saying, wait a minute, I'm going to get pennies on the corn, and I'm going to get dollars on the marijuana. I think I'll grow it. And the thing is, is that you've you got to have somebody fighting on our behalf. Why not pray for Jim Jordan? Amen. Why not pray that he's down there and he really is fighting on our behalf? And by the way, there is leadership in Washington, D.C. that's down there and there are saved people there. I wish that I could take the whole church sometimes just to go to an Awake America meeting so you could actually see that there are actually saved people on Capitol Hill fighting on our behalf, trying to stop things in our nation that are going on, the same-sex marriage and all of those things. Why would we not pray for those people? Pray for our leadership. But now I'm going to take the other side of that. Even those we disagree with, we ought to pray for them. He said, how many should we pray for? All men. We need to be praying for them. Pastor, what is it that I could possibly pray for Al Franken about? Senator Al Franken, what could I possibly pray for that man about? That he gets saved. When we start getting the focus off of what we want and desires that we have and all those things, and we start focusing on prayer in a different way, Paul said it's going to encourage you. You call upon the name of the Lord that he would supply their needs, and you pray interceding even as Christ does for us. Thank the Lord for answered prayer. Pray that men would get saved, amen? And and here's the thing. We go to God doubting. Uh, in, In the very last passage, it says, without wrath and doubting. So many times we go to God and we have doubts in our mind that even this could be so. You hear a pastor preaching this and you're like, yeah, it's a waste of time. I'm not going to pray for somebody like that. I'm not going to waste my time praying for an Al Franken to get saved. He'll never get saved. Who are we? We but mere men. And God said that we're to pray for how many men? All men. That all should get saved. And so that should be in our heart and our mind. This is not just praying for the saved but for all men. So therefore, it's not about only those you love and like. It's even about those that you may not love and like, but you're praying for them that something might change. Now, this is a change in attitude in your prayer life. That's the first thing we're talking about. That's a change of thinking, isn't it? I'm not thinking the same way when I'm doing that. I'm praying for people that I don't even like. And just because you don't like them doesn't mean you shouldn't pray for them. And praying for them isn't, Lord, I wish you'd just take them out of the way. Or Lord, I wish you'd just cut them off at the knees. Or Lord, I wish you'd just get rid of them. Or Lord, I wish, you know what I mean? That's not praying for them. What we're talking about is praying for them to get saved. Pray that God would get a hold of their heart because the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He move it whithersoever he willeth. God is in control of that, amen? And so we can pray for those in leadership positions and God can change those hearts. And when you think about this, this is a change in attitude in your prayer life. So what is it that the Lord supplies through prayer and intercedes on the behalf of men that we can thank him for in advance? Well, salvation is one of them. You can thank Him in advance for salvation. I am praying for Michelle Warnick to get saved, but I'm praying now with thanksgiving that God will do that. Amen? Why not just pray God cares that all should come to repentance, right? That that all should be saved. Why not pray with confidence that God will do that? And I'm sharing with you that's how I'm praying, that she truly knows Christ as her Savior. Amen? And the same with my brother-in-law. I'm praying, God, save his soul. If he is not saved, save him and pray with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for I know you've heard my prayer because I know God wants all men to be saved. And so I can pray with great confidence to the Lord that that can occur. Now, Paul specifically speaks of those in leadership positions. Even when you don't like them or disagree with the leaders, pray for them. He said, for kings and for all that are in authority... For kings and for all that are in authority. He didn't say if you like the kings and those that are in authority, pray for them. But he said pray for kings and all that are in what? Authority. That's why, folks, even as angry and as upset as we can get with Congress, guess what we ought to be doing for Congress? Praying for those men. Praying for those women. Praying that God would save their souls if they're unsaved. Yeah, we've got some crazies. We've got some loons on the hill, folks. I've been down there. I know for a fact there's some whacked out thoughts on like Capitol Hill down there. But we need to pray for those folks that they get saved. Tim Kaine, who was Hillary Clinton's running mate during the campaign, I got to meet the man. The man's off his rocker. The way he thinks, I don't think. But I went to him, and I wanted to pray with him. And I wanted to, to give him this, the, present him with the book that we give them down there. And he refused to pray. He said, I've got my own religion. Good. All I came to do was pray with you. Now, we weren't angry, weren't mad, didn't have the veins popping out of my neck, nothing, just simply wanted to go and be kind. Well, he didn't accept your gift. You ought to stop praying for him. No. I want to pray that the man gets saved. I prayed every time I went down there to talk to Mark Warner and talk to Tim Kaine that I could talk to these leaders and let them know that we appreciate their service to our country, to our nation. And we don't have to get into an argument, but I'm there to pray for them. And I'm sharing with you, you can pray for people even when you disagree with them. You can pray for them. Now, this has a direct effect on your life. This has a direct effect on your life. This has a direct effect on your life. Watch what this passage says. He says that uh, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Your prayers directly affect your life. Your prayers directly affect your life. Now, what did Paul say? We're praying this way so that we can live in peace and quietness, amen? So that we can live in godliness and honesty. That's why we're praying. And as you think about this, this has a direct effect on your life for even those you disagree with, it comes with a benefit. You receive the benefit of leading a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and honesty. So the Lord tells you that this is good and acceptable in His sight. He makes this statement. He said, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You say, that's a change in attitude in my prayer. Yes, it is. Because there are people that I know, and I don't have to point you out. There's people you don't want to pray for. There's people you don't want to pray about. There's people that that you would rather not even bring their name up in prayer. Those are the people that you need to be praying for. Because why? Especially if they're unsaved, you can pray for their what? Salvation. If you can pray for nothing else for them, you can at least pray for their salvation, that they trust Christ as Savior. Notice Paul, uh, that that he attributes this attitude of prayer directly to the salvation of the unsaved. When you maintain the attitude of uh, prayer, good attitude in prayer... It affects your relationship with others. It affects your relationship with God. And in other times of discouragement, God can motivate you because you've got the focus off of yourself in your prayer life and on to something that's important. What is it so important to God? Well, the souls of men and women are important to God. And that's where my focus is. So what this causes one to realize is God is in control and we can work through prayers to change the heart of others, including leadership. You have an ability to pray. Amen? I can't pick who's going to be president, but I can pray for my president, can I not? I can't pick who my senators and my congressmen are going to be, but I can pray for my senators and my congressmen. Now, I get a vote, I thank God for that, but I don't really get to pick them per se. Because if I were going around picking them, I might pick very different people than the rest of the nation or the rest of the state might pick to run our country, to run our nation, or to run our state. But the fact is, is I get a part in it, but the the truth of the matter is, is that we have an opportunity to make a change, and we make that change by the attitude that we have in prayer because we can pray for those that are in leadership. Maintain a consistent prayer life through Christ. What that will do for you is keep you encouraged in your prayer life. When you're consistent, you're saying, okay, what do I do? Well, we've got missionaries that we need to pray for. We've got uh, folks that are sick and ill, and we've got urgent requests, and we've got folks that are dealing with cancer, and uh, we've got all kinds of situations that we can pray about. Keep the focus off of yourself. Keep your focus on to the Lord. Pray for those that are in leadership. Listen, make a list, and here's the thing. You say, Pastor, I'd be there for four or five hours. What I encourage you to do is even take our prayer bulletin and break it down by day. And pray for certain sections each day. And then take our leadership, take our nation, take our country, take our Congress, take our statesmen, take those that are there to represent us and pick a day and pray for them. Pray for our Congress. And you can do that and you can spend quality time in prayer praying over those things. And you've got seven days to pray. Amen. Day and night. Afternoon as well. Morning, noon, and night you can pray. And you can break that down and you can begin to pray that way. So maintain a consistent prayer life through Christ to keep you encouraged. And I believe prayer is that strong component that helps keep us motivated. Listen, if you want to stay motivated in your Christian life, it's not much harder than that. It's staying in close relationship with God through prayer. Second thought is this. Remember who you're praying to and have a reverent spirit toward him. In verses 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God, amen, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be be testified in due time. Uh, uh, The mediator of prayer. When you lift up your voice to pray, you're praying to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. So why would I just have a rote, memorized prayer to say? I have an opportunity to speak to God. When the men come forward, and it deals with public prayer here a bit, uh, it has that idea of being out in public. When those men come up to pray... They're not praying for those people that are sitting in that auditorium. They're praying to God. We're praying to God whenever we give our offering that God is in this. When we open the service, it's not that we pray for the people that are in the service. We're praying to God about the service. Amen? That he would be present in it. When when we close in prayer, we're praying to God about taking what we've learned now from the word of God and taking it back out with us. We're praying to God. So many times, and I want you to be conscientious of this as as people that pray, when we're praying publicly or whether we're praying privately, remember who you're speaking to. We're not speaking on behalf of the people in the room, and we're not speaking on our behalf and being self-focused. We're praying to God, the mediator. Now, when we think about this, let us not be so casual about our prayer life, but knowing that it's a time in which you're communicating with your creator, the Savior, now, the reason I share this with you is because God is a jealous God. Would you agree? Let me give you some verses. You can write these down. We won't turn to all of these tonight, but write these down. Exodus 20 and verse 5. The Bible says, Thou shalt not bow thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. He tells us in Exodus thirty four fourteen, For thou shalt worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. In Deuteronomy 4.23, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And in Deuteronomy 6.15, for the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Now, why am I telling you that? Think about this for a moment. If I'm allowing my mind to be distracted in my prayer, and my focus isn't really on my prayer, but I'm kneeling down, what am I giving my time to? To my God or to what's on my mind? And this is why I say concentrate when you pray. Think about who you're talking to. Consider who you're speaking to when you're praying. You're praying to God, the mediator, the one who saved your soul. That's who you're talking to. So don't let your prayers just be casual and throwing it out there and, uh, or rote kind of prayers that you say. Uh, I have tried to teach my children as we were growing up, as they were growing up, and me too, along the way. <laughs> but as they were growing up, I would tell them they 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 would get ready for bed and they'd say, Lord, I just want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you that we had a good time today, and Lord, that we have a good time tomorrow, and that Lord, whenever we wake up, da da da. da, da and they say the same thing every day. So what I would do with them is I said, Do you know what you said to the Lord? Uh, no. What were they doing? Just speaking what they had in their Wrote memory. When I teach and when I'm trying to train, I'm very careful about exams that I give people. (laughs) Sometimes just recalling things is not really understanding or knowing something. (laughs) Just because I can recall a fact or I can recall an answer doesn't mean that I really know. And so what it is is that, do you understand how important your prayer life is? There's some very important things on our prayer list we need to be praying about. Would you agree? There's some very important things on our prayer list that we ought to be praying about. Would you agree? There's people that have asked us to pray for things. And what I'm sharing with you is, is concentrate. The reason to remember the jealousy of God in your prayer time is to remind you that you should not let your mind wander. Because that time should be devoted to God. That's a time with him. That's a time alone with God. A time where I have set this aside and I'm going to give my time to him. I'm not going to give my mind to other things while I'm praying. Now, it doesn't mean that someone might not come to your mind and you pray about them or pray for them. But the fact is, is that you're not thinking about basting the turkey while you're praying. Are you with me? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? How many have had their mind just escape in the middle of a prayer? And it's off, and I'm thinking about, okay, now, if if I'm going to pull that dashboard down, I've got four bolts on each side, and and I know that once I get that dashboard down, have you ever had that happen to you in the middle of your prayers? I have. I've been in the middle of prayer, and I'm thinking about how I'm going to do this or how I'm going to do that, and before I know it, I realize I'm actually kneeling down, and my mind is somewhere else. Has that ever happened to you? And that's why I tell you, I'm guilty of it as well. And so what I want to do is I want to concentrate in my prayer time. Consider when you're talking to someone. And uh, can you tell when someone's not paying attention to you when you're talking to them? Ladies, can you tell when your husband's not paying attention to you when you're talking to them? Can you tell when someone's not paying attention when you're talking to them? You can see it, can't you? Now, how does that make you feel as a person sometimes? You realize you're actually speaking to someone, and it's sort of like, it's going right by. Well, how about that, uh, turn that around a little bit, and let's just think about this. Someone has responded to you when they know you're not listening to them. (laughs) Have you ever had somebody go, you're not even listening to me? And, and you know, how does it make that person feel? But how does it make you feel when you're talking to someone and they're not listening to you? So when we're in our prayer time, sometimes it's good to be quiet and silent and let God speak to your heart. Sometimes in your prayer time, quiet time's good. Not so that you might take a nap in the middle of your prayers, but that maybe God may speak to your heart while you're praying. And God can bring things to your remembrance, not whether the turkey's being basted properly or not, but perhaps the fact that maybe he wants you to go and see someone or wants you to think about someone or pray for someone and he brings them to your remembrance. Prayer is a time of worship and you're speaking to the one who saved your soul, and we should desire to give him our full time and attention. So the mediator is the one that paid the ransom to set you free. So It tells us in Matthew 20, 28, he said, Even as the Son of Man came to be ministered, uh, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And God saved our soul, not so that we could sit, soaking sour, but so that we can minister to other people. So that we can go and do things for others, so that we can reach out to other people. In 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 6, he said, I thank God, my God always... "...on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge." Everything that you speak, everything that you know, it's because of Christ. And you can use those as tools in your service to God. The mediator. Jesus paid the price and took the place in death that we may have eternal life. So when you're praying, be mindful when you're praying. Now, I share that with you. Why? Why? Because I believe if I concentrate on what I'm praying about, if I'm really conscientious about what I'm praying about, I think it motivates you. It encourages you. Pastor used to tell me all the time, he said, you know, when you go into these prayer meetings, listen and and, and really pray and think about what you're saying to God. Think about what you're saying to him. Don't just let words come out of your mouth and speak words because those are the words that you speak all the time. But consider what you're saying To God. And when you really concentrate on your prayers, it'll begin to motivate you because you begin to watch God answer these prayers. And in an amazing way, in a miraculous way, God motivates the heart. When you maintain that reverent spirit in in prayer, it'll keep you encouraged in your faith. The last thought is this. You are to pray with complete confidence in Christ. The challenge of prayer, verses 7 and 8, he said, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ, and I lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And so one of the greatest challenges we face when we pray is not to doubt when we ask God for something. One of the greatest challenges we face in our prayer life is going into prayer doubting and we doubt what we're even about to ask God about, and God doesn't want us to have that kind of spirit when we come to speak to him. He wants us to come with confidence. He tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace, does it not? We ought to have confidence. We ought to be able to come and speak to God in that way. So Paul was telling them, and he's telling us, that you pray for your leaders, you remember your mediator in between you and, 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 and God, and you pray, and therefore Pray with confidence and pray with certainty. I want you to turn to a couple of verses, and I'll finish with this tonight. Turn to Mark chapter 11 with me. Turn to Mark chapter 11. And then keep your finger there and then go back to, uh, well, go back to 1 John uh, uh, 5, 14 and 15. We're going to start with Mark 11, 23, 24. But uh, also get your finger in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Once you find 1 John 5, 14, and 15, go back to Mark 11, 23, 24, and just keep your finger on the 1 John passage. Everybody with me? In Mark 11, 23, 24, it says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea. And notice the phrase there, and shall not doubt in his what? Where do we doubt? It's an internal thing, isn't it? Now, um, I want you to know this isn't easy believism. This isn't uh, um, say it and claim it or whatever they have out there that, you know, you, you decide that I'm going to say this to God, therefore it becomes mine. That's not what this is about at all. And, and so it's not pray it and claim it, but it's this. And shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now you say, well, it says right there, whatever I desire. (laughs) It's not that idea. You see, when God's talking about moving those mountains, when he's talking about those types of things, he's talking about praying in the will of God as well. You see, when we're praying and we're selflessly praying, selfishly praying, we're praying for things that we want or we want and we want or we desire. Uh, That's not what God's speaking of here. What he does tell us, and this is where I want us to go, and I'll tie these two together once we get there. Look at 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Everybody with me? And this is the confidence that we have in him. Now, let me tell you why you doubt. You don't have confidence in what you're asking him for. (laughs) No confidence there. And sometimes it's just to uh, pour it upon our own lust. But watch this now in 1 John. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I don't believe God changed his mind from from Mark to John, 1 John. I don't think he changed his mind. I think when he tells us that when we're praying and we desire these things, these are things that are in the will of God, not out of the will of God. And I believe as you look at this, he said, and shall not doubt in his heart. Do you know what I don't have to doubt? I don't have to doubt that God wants people to be saved. Would you agree with that? So if I'm praying for someone to be saved, can God move mountains? Can he do things to save a soul? And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, now watch this, he heareth us. If we ask it according to his what? Will. So when you go back to Mark and he says, for verily I say unto thee that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith." I believe that's in the will of God. Not out of the will of God, because the Bible then clearly tells us that we can have confidence that our prayer will be answered because we ask it according to His, what? Will He heareth us. Sometimes we're asking things that God does not will for our lives to be, amen? And so He goes on and He says, if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. And the idea is this isn't desirous to have it upon our own lust, but this is desires for the will of God to be fulfilled. That's the desire. And then we get to that place where that's a challenge in prayer. Would you agree? When we go to pray sometimes, we're asking God for what we want. Here's what we do a lot of times, and I want to I encourage you here. Be careful about when you go to pray, because sometimes when we go to pray, we're not asking God. We're telling God, and we want God to bless what we're telling Him, and that may not even be the will of God for your life. And we're telling God rather than asking God anything. It says, let your requests be made known unto God. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? Let your requests be made known? It's not a demand. It is that when I'm praying, I need to really consider, is this the will of God? So therefore, when I do ask for something, if I say, well, I need another vehicle. But do I need a brand new 2017 uh, Mercedes-Benz green with tan interior? No. So why would God give me something like that? Now, he may, and if he did, praise the Lord, But I just don't see me as being a Mercedes-Benz pastor. But the thing of it is, is that, think about this for just a moment. The will of God. When you are praying, are you praying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Sometimes we make decisions without really consulting God. We go off and we say, well, this is what I think or this is what I believe or this is what I feel and this is the decision that I'm going to make and I'm going to go do this, but I haven't consulted God at all. I haven't asked God anything. And I just want God to bless the decision that I've made. That's a challenge in prayer, isn't it? When you go to God, you're saying, okay, Lord, not mine, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. So as I look at this, With all authority, Paul had the ability to say these things. He said, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, and I speak the truth in Christ, and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. He said, hey, listen, I have the authority to tell you this. I have the authority to tell you that Jesus Christ wants all men to be saved. I have the authority to tell you that Jesus Christ, our Lord, wants us praying for all men to be saved. He has the authority to do this. And Paul established his credentials, and he was speaking that word to Timothy. And always recall who you're praying to. And so Paul tells us, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Always recall who you're praying to. And the Lord requires our undivided attention when we're praying. We need to pray. Now the anger and the doubt that may come as you pray could often be the result of a lack of concentration in your prayer life. And he talks about wrath and doubting. In what? Prayer. Wrath and doubting and prayer. That just doesn't go together, does it? And you look at this, he says, without wrath and doubting. He said that therefore men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, without anger and doubt they're to do this. It's hard to admit, but it's true that all have been guilty of allowing our mind to wander in our prayer life, but the men are told to pray everywhere. This is public prayer and lifting up of the holy hands. That was just a posture that was representative of purity at that time. And so as he's speaking of this, the purity of the life is necessary for proper fellowship and prayer. That's why when you go and you pray, you confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. One of the things that you ought to do in your prayer life is ask the Lord to forgive you for those sins that are present in your life. Then you get the attention off of yourself and your attitude of prayer begins to change because you start praying for others. You start praying for other people. You start praying for your leadership, you start praying for others to be saved. (laughs) And your attitude of your heart will change. And then you realize, okay, who am I talking to? Well, the one who can make the change. The one who can actually do things. The one who can accomplish this. That's my mediator. That's the one I'm actually speaking to. Paul says, I can tell you this with full authority. And so what I'm telling you is, is you ought to go to God in this time of fellowship with a pure heart. And so we need to confess those sins. And I believe often discouragement can set in when we ponder too long on ourselves, and we don't confess our sins before God. And this is a challenge in prayer, folks. It's a challenge in prayer. And you say, okay, so I I need to get my heart right. Yeah, who are you going to get it right with? You're going to get it right with God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Spend some time. Asking God to make sure that you're clean, that you're a clean vessel, that your heart is pure. And then, as you begin to pray, get your mind off of yourself and get your mind onto others. Pray for people to get saved. And then let God use you in that process. When you begin to speak, realize you are talking to God. Let's pray.